0: one or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: We're back on a new edition of the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July twelfth, two 2012. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight, and we we'll look forward to your comments at 877-381-4567. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad.
2: Jacob, great to be with you. Uh, always look forward to Thursday night and the Virtual Bible Study. I've been looking
1: forward to this program in particular because we've got someone sitting in between us tonight.
2: got a special guest, James Buchanan, who's no stranger to the Virtual Bible no, Study. He's not. been on many times before, but... We have, a, we, he's in a new role this week. He's he's a, he's a special guest because he's planning something special.
1: That's right. Uh, James, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Good to be here. And uh, we need to get your mic queued up there. Try that again. Oh, okay. Right. Not, not good, good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. And uh, James, uh, tell us what you're getting ready to do.
3: Well, my family and I are getting ready to move to South Africa here in just a few weeks. Well,
1: that's not just something you decide to do,
2: uh, sh- you know, just overnight. It's, and it's not just a vacation trip. Oh no. no,
3: no! It's not a vacation trip. Uh, we've we've been planning this since last July. Is when we actually started planning in earnest, right at the beginning of last July. So, um, it's certainly certainly not
2: a picnic. No. So, no. You're, but but tell tell the folks about your plans. You're going there to preach the gospel and to stay an indeterminate amount of time.
3: Right. So. Our, we'll, what we'll do is we'll stay there three years initially before we come visit in the States.
2: And oh, you won't be back
1: for three years.
3: That's right. We'll, okay. co- we'll come back and visit after three years. Okay. We, we figured that that would give us sufficient time to get settled in. It's um, pretty disruptive, especially on, on children. We have four children, so to take them back and forth between there and here. So we want to go, we want to get settled in, into the work, get Accustomed to what we're doing there, and then we'll come back and visit family here, friends, brethren okay. in the states.
2: So tell us now. Uh, I, I you helped me get a map up, and Anthony's running the board tonight. Anthony, we've got a slide that shows the country of South Africa. It's not the it's not the continent of Africa in the south. It is the country of South Africa, uh, and uh, we've got a map up. Tell us tell us about. I think that map flags your your destination, but tell us about. Where you're going to be
3: right. So uh, th- that's right, I, and, and sometimes I have to give a the quick, sort of a quick geography lesson. Yeah. Um, of course, people think of Africa as as one big country, and I think one of the things to keep in mind, especially when you if you watch the evening news a lot or if you pay attention to what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. when you hear about things happening on the continent of Africa, inevitably what we hear in the United States is not going to be good.
1: About what's going on. In, you're going to hear about are, things. You're, you're, in going right, you're going with those guys right around the back of the pickups with
2: guns? In so, Egypt, in <laughs> Egypt exactly, and Libya. Exactly. Egypt and Libya mean, and all Nigeria and all those right. places.
3: And I think I think the lesson there, just remember that that's what sells advertising, is yes. sensational news. So yeah. you, you've got to investigate a little bit further. Well, where we're going in South Africa.
2: The country saying, of South, South Africa. South
3: Africa is a country, the yeah. Republic of South Africa. Yeah. Um, it's been a country for a long time. And uh, they had tumultuous times politically in the past, particularly as they were transitioning out of the apartheid system. Mm-hmm. But uh, politically, it's it's reasonably um, stable as far as that goes. So it, it
2: was a it was a it was a strong and prosperous British colony for a long time. That's correct. And and then a, an independent country that was also quite prosperous. We knew the news from South Africa because of Nelson Mandela and, and as you said, the, the right. attempts of, of the black population to overcome the apartheid system, which they were fairly well oppressed, and there was a lot, there was political upheaval in that time.
3: There, there, there was, and a lot of that has has uh, calmed down as they've been able to transition away from the apartheid system, and and oftentimes, uh, I, I don't want to get too far into this because we only have a certain amount of time, but. I'm often asked how, how did apartheid affect the spread of the gospel in South Africa, and, and I think that the lesson I've gotten from particularly from American preachers that I've talked to is that they simply uh, they, they they worked worked around it. So they were able to get permits to go into the uh, African homelands. The apartheid basically it's a separate it, was segregation. it is a separation system, and it's beyond segregation yeah. what we saw here yeah. in the United States there at least was an attempt of separate but equal. Apartheid, there was no commitment to separate but equal. They just wanted separate. And then so you had uh, African homelands that where they they, re, they put the black populations in the African homelands, venda and other African homelands, and gospel preachers would go into those homelands to uh, teach the gospel. Mixed assemblies were not permitted. Um, blacks were not permitted to stay in the homes of whites, and whites were not permitted to stay in the homes of blacks overnight. Uh, so that certainly prevented um, mixed assemblies a lot right, as far as that goes. But uh, a lot of the teaching at first happened in the large urban, urban areas. So brethren would come in from the African homelands into places like Johannesburg and Cape Town, and then they would take the gospel back into the African homelands.
2: Okay, You got that map up, I guess, Anthony. And tell us, what, where are you going exactly?
3: Well, it's where that red dot is. It's where that red dot. <laughs> tell us the name of that place. So that city is called louis Chicart. And uh, it is, as you can see, just south of Zimbabwe, and it's really close to Botswana as well. And then the country right to the east of, uh, of there, if you look at the eastern border of South Africa, that's, uh, that takes you into Mozambique. So we're fairly close to several countries, right there. So you're
2: yeah. in the
1: north. You're in North South Africa.
3: No, Northern South Africa.
2: Yes. Northeastern South Africa, actually. That's right. And and will you be able to to go into some of those neighboring countries to do evangelism I, as well?
3: I, I would expect to, at some point. Uh, I, I would certainly expect to be doing that. Um, it, it's uh, it's not uncommon for brethren to travel from South Africa to work in Zimbabwe. I know the Maydells travel there frequently. Uh, I believe the the Beckleys go there occasionally. We'll be working with Dave and Joanne Beckley in uh, Louis-Tricard. Tell
2: us how you got, how how did you get interested in this work? And tell us what sort of prompted you to make the decision to go.
3: Well, um, we've we've been aware of the work going on in South Africa for several years. Uh, My wife and I were both in college with uh, students whose parents were in South Africa teaching the gospel. So we knew about the work. And then... um, i went to south africa in 2010 to visit Mm -hmm. Uh, i actually went to visit joel williams who preaches in kwazulu natal which is in the southeastern part of south africa and i got to meet many brethren while there and i really was really impressed with with the country and its people and also impressed with the amount of work that that needs to be done there so last july we were asked to uh we were asked to come over and to assist so we uh we corresponded with uh, the, uh, the Beckleys and determined that uh, this is something that we, we should do.
1: What's the state of the the, uh, the work over there right now? What do you expect to find when you get there?
3: Well, uh, there, there's uh, there are already several churches. There are, there are not there are not many brethren that are preaching full time. Uh, the estimates I've heard are that there are basically a dozen African preachers and four Americans in the country preaching the gospel uh, full time at this point. So. Um, I expect to find a lot of uh, evangelistic work that needs to be done, as well as uh, teaching as far as grounding in the word, uh,
4: Mm.
3: that kind of thing. And also, uh, there's a very large young population in South Africa, and and some of that's because of the AIDS epidemic. So that has uh, certainly taken the lives of people early. The average lifespan of South Africa is 49 years of age, Mm. and over half the population is under the age of 24. So Mm -hmm. just to give you an example, the Beckleys recently hosted... A, um, a Bible study for young people there in their home in their, that area, and they had continuously ninety to a hundred young yeah. people, You're and right. we right. we certainly would have loved to have been there to to, to help them with that.
1: Sure. All right, now uh, how many churches will there will you be working with that are already established?
3: I'm not I'm not 100 sure about that at, at this point. Okay. Honestly, I, I I keep meaning to, to ask Brother Beckley that, and
2: I, I keep but you will going. have. Uh, your family and the beckley family will be sort of working together in tandem which I think is a good thing. You know I believe there's even a biblical right. basis for evangelists when they went out to do work to work in teams uh to to have to have co-workers present with them. I think that's will be really helpful.
3: I think so too. Uh, and there's a couple of good reasons for that one is because of course we're new to the work so we need all of the help we can get to start right and mm-hmm. uh, the Beckley's have been there for several years and uh, they, they've been there in a couple of different stints since the 70s so they, they are very aware and very familiar up with the work so we certainly look forward to learning from them they're they uh, they're they're I, I hesitate to say older especially since we're broadcasting but let's just say they're older than my wife and I yeah. <laughs> yeah. there you go that's yeah. safe right
1: now uh, what kind of uh, techniques are you are the typical uh practices over there as far as uh, evangelizing and getting the word?
3: Well, you, you know uh, the, the uh, one of the advantages to teaching in uh, many, and I won't call South Africa a third world country, it's a developing country. Um, it's somewhat industrialized and yet somewhat not in that you have villages that don't have electricity and may not have running water. I'm not saying it's like what you see on TV about places like Ethiopia with people just starving to death necessarily in South Africa but what I'm saying is that Some of the technological advances that we've seen here haven't taken hold there. For example, there are villages that have no electricity. Their um, television is not as common or widespread there. And with that being the case, many of the things that distract people from being interested in the scriptures um, are are not there. So some of the traditional techniques we've seen in the past, like tent meetings and, and, you know, studying from house to house, people being hungry for the word in that way is uh, still common.
2: Good. And I was going to say that's probably a great benefit that TV's not there. Yeah, right. <laughs>
3: yeah, I was, I was really impressed. I, I was having a conversation with uh, uh, somebody one time over there, and they, they told me that uh, sometimes they, they find that people want electricity not so that they can have a microwave or a, or a blender or a mixer or a washing machine, but rather so that they can have a uh, television. And I, and I think that's I think that's kind of sad.
2: Very sad. All right. Yeah, we've got we've got somebody commenting in the chat room. Guest one twenty six says, "Hope it goes well." I remember a brother who had to return after moving his family to another country. His daughter had a very difficult time coping, and for the sake of his daughter had to return to the States. I hope there's uh, a little openness in returning after three years if something unexpected had occurred. And then goes on to ask, well, do you have plans to deal with an unforeseen event?
3: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, so, and that, and that is a very good point. And, and one of the things I, I want to say in response to that is, is that um, as a preacher of the gospel, the, my first responsibility is to my family even though I even though I, I will be preaching full- time and that and that's and that's biblical right now whereas you know we have a generic responsibility to go into all nations and to preach the gospel to every creature I have a very specific responsibility in the scriptures to uh, bring up my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and consider them and consider my wife um, first so if it becomes necessary for us to move back after three years then we are certainly uh, prepared to do that. If, if it becomes if it becomes necessary,
2: yeah, yeah, and you, you got to be open to all realities.
3: That's that's right. Well, one of the things that uh, we we've really learned with this process is that you have to be flexible. And let, let me let me explain, and maybe maybe this will provide a little bit of context to where we're coming from. So, our original departure date was April second mm-hmm. of this year, and what happened was we were finishing our preparations to move. We were getting ready to apply for our visas, and all of those things that need to be done to be prepared. And uh, all of a sudden, my father died on February 20th of this year. And, see, that came as very unexpected, um, but it also, it also required us to change our plans to, in order to, you know, obviously consider my mother and her needs and to, um, and, and to consider the rest of the family. My father had five siblings, and we needed to and – and also my grandmother was still alive at that time, although she died three weeks after he did you know, because of the shock of that. And so it was definitely the right thing for us to postpone that trip, and we were certainly willing to do so. Now, one, one thing I also want to say, uh, in, in a little bit more background about myself, is that today I, I work I work a full-time job in a secular profession. I'm a network engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that gave me the flexibility to have that extra time. I, my employer had no problem with me uh Changing the date of our departure and staying on, continuing the work that I have already been doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I had I had some flexibility there, but we, that's what we had to do, and that's what we did because it was the right thing to do. Right. So I hope I hope that answers the, the question right. as far as where our I, I want
2: to before we go to our first break, James. I want I want you to give your contact info. I don't know. I, I haven't talked with you recently to know what your support status is. Whether you're still trying to raise some additional funds. I think you probably are. And if somebody would want to get in touch with you about that, give your contact info.
3: Okay. Well, um, of course, I'm on Facebook, so I can be searched through there. And if we become friends on Facebook, I have my contact information there. Okay. But my email address is James.Buchanan, the number two. It's James.Buchanan, the number two, at gmail.com. And then I also can be reached at 931 797 2326.
1: For a little okay. while. For a little while.
3: Actually,. actually Maybe we want to talk about this when we get back yeah. from the break because um, one of the questions, and I want to continue with this question that was just asked, because I think it's a very good question. Yeah. Uh, because I want to continue on, how do we intend to stay in touch with family? I'd like to I'd like to get into that a little okay. bit more. All,
1: All right. right, give okay. your give your email address one more time.
3: James dot No O's. That's right. No O's. No, like, that, like, that, like that preacher in Kentucky spells his name wrong. Some people know who I'm talking about. Number 2 at
2: gmail.com. James.Buchanan2 at gmail.com. And All the right. email address to
1: use for tonight's broadcast is questions at collegeview.com. We'll take a break and we'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues
0: right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages do you remember when
1: the emphasis of the work of the church was on teaching the gospel converting the lost and strengthening the saints
3: can you recall good old-fashioned gospel preaching that appealed to the bible as the sole and final authority in all religious matters are you tired of seeing churches that seem much more interested in social events and entertainment
1: than in simply following the new testament pattern would you love to hear lessons from the pulpit like you used to hear do you want to find a church that is still doing things the way you remember from years ago if these things describe the way you are feeling, please visit the College View Church of Christ.
2: Here are some quotes worth pondering. The hardest arithmetic to master is that which enables us to count our own blessings. Reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has plenty, not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. Envy is the art of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. Everybody can do what they want. Everybody's got freedom of choice, but nobody's got freedom from consequences. We have too many high sounding words and too few actions that correspond with them. Man, wish I'd said that.
0: Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Wayne,
1: well, we're back. And, uh, we're... <laughs> we're sitting here talking, to James. Well, it was a good discussion. Too bad you couldn't hear it. Uh, uh, all right. We're uh, talking about James Buchanan getting ready to move to South Africa. James, your departure date?
3: August 20th.
1: I'll be there. Don't miss the plane.
3: Well, yeah, we're actually mo- we're moving out of our house on July 23rd and um, and there, and, there, and what what's going on there is my my sister That's and, a week
2: from Monday, by the way. Uh,
3: that, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't don't say that again or I'm going to walk out. <laughs> yeah, I
2: know, I know what it is.
3: My wife really knows though. Um, but uh, <clears throat> the um, my, my sister-in-law is moving from uh, Virginia, and she's going to rent our house while we're gone. She lost her husband at the end of April due to a car accident.
1: And uh, my mother-in-law... Yeah, your family's to- had a,
2: a lot of heart, heartache in here in the last few months, and, so certainly...
1: Uh, you know, but you've got my wife puzzled, uh, James, because my wife can't imagine uh, moving out of your house a month before you're getting ready to move to... South Africa, and you're going to be traveling around for that month. So by the time that's you right. get on the plane to go to South Africa, I don't guess you're going to have any trouble sleeping on that trip because you uh, should be pretty and, tired it. And, and, well,
2: and you won't have any clean clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. We might, we might find a washer along the way, although
3: I might make Deb get one of those uh, boards.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know I, we were talking about before the break um, yeah. as far as how, how how we'll still be able to, to keep in touch. And um, uh, so the, the one of the technologies that we have available to us, uh, in addition to Skype, Is also uh, voice over IP technology, and through that, what we're going to be able to do is take our phone, cell phone numbers, and we'll port those over to Google Voice, and then we can take that number and we can redirect it to like Vonage or something like that, or Magic Jack or or something along those lines, and still be able to receive incoming phone calls on those. So we can call
2: you with a local, uh, with a.
3: Yeah, you could call me at 931 797 2326. And that's a local Columbia number. That's right.
2: We'll
1: make sure to call you in the middle of the night while we're up and doing (laughs) it. Yeah, we'll call you
2: right before we start the virtual Bible study every Thursday, and that'll be like, what, the next morning over there.
3: Yeah, which uh, I guess that works. Well, for that, means,
2: uh, that means that means <laughs> before James, <in> the morning. <laughs> that means we can have you back as a guest uh, yeah. across the world.
1: Three in the morning. All right. Yeah, you sent out earlier today some questions yeah. for us to consider in our discussion, and uh, this uh, gets us into yeah. We're uh, very some interested in what topics. James. We've, yes, been, we we've
2: been knowing James for a long time, and, and we pray all the best for him and his family as they go. We wanted to hear him talk about his his plans specifically. But we also wanted to talk about foreign evangelism in the broader sense. Uh, So I sent out some questions as we always do to our update list earlier today. First question, uh, and I know James, you've got some thoughts on this: Is it wise for an American to move overseas to teach and preach when there are so many lost souls right here in our own country? That's a good one. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Number two, concerning the support of evangelists in foreign countries: How should they be supported? And then, and I don't know if everybody understood the follow-up questions. In regards to their support, is there authority for a mission board to oversee their work and provide for their support? Or what about a sponsoring church to centralize their support and oversee their work? And then another question I may have to explain when we get to it is, can individual Christians pool their resources to provide funds for foreign evangelism, benevolence, and so forth? We'll talk about that when we get to it. And then finally, what are the pros and cons of sending significant amounts of American money into foreign fields to support native preachers, provide buildings, uh, provide for building church buildings, deal with benevolent situations, and so forth. And we'll talk about that. I think, James, you'll surely have some insights there. I've got a little bit from some experiences that I've had, and I th- I'm hoping that we'll get some discussion from our listeners tonight. So let's start out well, with this.
1: The, the number to call is 877-381-4567. Questions at com. And if you're not signed in the chat room tonight, it's easy to do. You can sign in without any personal information. And if you show up as me in the chat room, you are not signed in. You need to sign in and then you'll show up as a guest if you do not provide your name, uh, or you can simply provide your name so that we can recognize you. Dave is in the chat room is interested in doing foreign work. He's traveled to Romania, Slovakia, Czech, uh, the Czech Republic, Turkey, Jamaica, and
2: China. Wow, he's been to lots of places. Yes. Short trips, only five weeks at the most. That's, That's sort of uh, what I've done myself. Uh, and I think Dave would probably join with me in admiration of folks like James who can go and yes. uproot their family and move to such a place. Uh, it's it's a great sacrifice. We admire you, James. All right. Uh, first question, is it wise for an American to move to overseas and preach when there are so many souls right here in our country? James, my guess is that somebody has probably said that to you. Why in the world are you going clear over there? We're surrounded by lost people right here.
3: Oh, absolutely. And and I really have two answers for that. Of course, you know, the scriptures are clear. Jesus was clearing the Great Commission, going to all the world and proclaim the gospel of the whole creation. And, of course, the question is, well, wouldn't it be easier for you to just continue doing that kind of work here in, say, Middle Tennessee? And I think there's a couple of ways to look at that. And first of all, let me just say that for those who are unable to go overseas, for those who are working in this area, the work that's being done in Middle Tennessee or Tennessee or the United States of America is every bit as important as as any work that's happening overseas. So let me just yeah, say that's,
1: that's important. There's
3: know. no there's no uh, some kind of superiority thing here as far as you know, my wife and I. We are unprofitable servants. Luke 17 verse 10. I mean, we will continue to be unprofitable servants. We are carrying the gospel in earth and vessels. That said, um, one of the things to think about is when you look at some places like South Africa and other places like Philippines and India. Places where there are people are obeying the gospel you know, in much more regularity, or there's much more teaching and grounding that needs to be done, there there is there is a need for people who are grounded in the Word to go to those places and help shore up work that's already been done, or to continue in those efforts. Um, again, that doesn't minimize the work that needs to be done here, but. They're, they're, in some sense, there's a greater
1: need in some places. Now, but it, it, as we talk about this, uh, one shouldn't feel uh, like they're a failure or they, they couldn't be pleasing to God if uh, they're unable to travel abroad, as you are, James, and uh, do something. You know, something a, there's, some,
2: there's some family dynamics that just wouldn't lend themselves to right. do what you're doing. Some people's families just wouldn't be able to accommodate what, right. you're, what you're planning to do. And so... It, uh, again, I think you're right to say we're not we're not pointing a finger of blame at people who who don't do that. In fact, it's crucial. Uh, we, oh, need, yeah. uh, we need we need people who are up
0: and and, and and But work to those and, uh,
2: who have this negative, I mean, I, and I've heard it in almost a hatefully negative way, you're, you're wasting your time to go over there. We got lost people right here. Well, you stop thinking about. It. There's no place in the world with a higher density of preachers trying to convert the population than there is right. right here in the United States. We got lots of, I mean. We have we have a, a greater number of preachers working to convert the general population in the United States than anywhere in the world.
3: Right. Greg, I, I, got, I got one challenge to somebody who might raise that objection, just one, that this, per, this person who's making this objection obviously has more Bible studies than he's able to handle. And my, my challenge to that person would be to send about half of the list of regular Bible studies that you have, send half that list to Greg Gwynn, <laughs> and Greg would be happy to join that person and participating in those regular Bible studies. And and,
2: and I hope all the listeners understand that sarcasm. Because what we because our experience here in the United States is we struggle to find people who are willing to study with and you say, as you said, you talked about one young people study where maybe ninety or hundred young people came to be taught the Bible. I mean, there are great opportunities overseas. We're not saying there are not good opportunities here, but I think anybody who would criticize the effort to go to those places is just really missing it.
1: All right, uh, Keith, and uh, I believe he's in Hendersonville. Says uh, I think the person, ha- if the person has the resources to do so and feels compelled to be of service in that manner because they speak the language, etc., then they should. But I fear that the United States is fastly becoming right fields for missionary work. It is, and uh, there's plenty of work that needs to be done here. But
2: uh, what about language, Jake? Uh, James? Real quick, there he mentioned speaking the language. What What are your language barriers going to be over there?
3: So, that, and that, and that, that's a good point. Um, English is taught in the schools in South Africa. It's not necessarily the primary language at home. Um, among the, uh, There are many who speak Afrikaans, which is a Dutch-German variant that developed due to the Dutch settlers there. And then also uh, there are tribal languages. In the area we'll be working, The Benda is pretty much the, one of the predominant uh, tribal languages. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I won't promise that we'll learn Benda, but I certainly will promise that we, we will certainly do our best to learn Benda and learn Afrikaans.
1: All right. Uh, Jim in Kentucky says the command of Jesus to go into all the world and teach his message, Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 through 20. Uh, He said he did not say to stay in one place until all the people are converted. If we stayed at home until everyone was converted, we would never leave. There are plenty of Christians in this country who can teach and preach. So Jim says
0: get out of here.
2: And we've got Chris uh, from Atlanta who says, uh, I think it is wise for Americans to go overseas. We're commanded to spread the word to all Different members have different talents and desires. Those members that have a desire to teach and preach abroad should go to do so. Likewise, those who have no desire to move overseas should realize that it's okay too. But they do have an obligation to teach here as well. Spreading the gospel is not an option but a command. I think Chris is spot on there. All right, and think-
1: uh, Dave in the chat room says it is wise for evangelists to move any place if there are so many lost in the community. Which uh, so if he, if there are so many lost in the community which he now lives, it is no different. If they move to a foreign country. So there's going to be lots of people around you here or lots of people around you there. Yeah. That,
3: that, that's right, and, and um, that, that, that's true.
1: All right. Uh, Anthony, th- your thoughts as you – Anthony's behind the board tonight. We haven't even introduced him. We've been so busy talking with James. Uh, Anthony, your thoughts uh, in the discussion so far? No, I think it, I think uh, the, it's all valid points. I agree. I don't think it would be fair to, to try to um, – hold any negative thoughts towards someone who'd want to go overseas i think there's plenty of opportunities everywhere and and uh certainly wishing uh, james and his family the best and uh, we need to be active i guess the the short answer is we need to be active wherever we are and there's work to do everywhere.
2: J- james uh um real quickly before we go to our break what what do you what's your take now you're you're a man who's committed yourself to go for Three years, maybe much longer. You told me once maybe you'd never move back to the States. Uh, What you're thinking about that kind of work, which is obviously tremendously valuable, what about some like Dave mentioned in the chat room? I've done a number of short trips uh, uh, for several weeks. What's your take on that?
3: Let's go back to what Dave said a moment ago. Uh, Let's think about it like this. Okay, So, Greg, you're here all the time, and you're doing work here in the community in Columbia, you're doing, work, uh, you're teaching in this area, and because of that, you you, you and Jacob and others have a fami- familiarity with the people here and, and the, what goes on on a day-to-day basis, and so that that uh, lends you some advantage as far as effectiveness goes. However, one of the things that you do here in the College View Congregation um, several several times um, a year is you invite somebody to come from somewhere else to do some teaching here at College View. Now, why do you do that? Well, you do that because it, it gives you a very focused effort uh, to, toward teaching that builds up the, the church, and really, and, and I think you, you would agree that it's really a, a shot of the arm to your own enthusiasm right. and to your right. own edification when you do that. Well, that, I, I think that's that's pretty much what you see when you're looking at uh, where, where somebody visits South Africa for a few weeks, or uh, whether somebody visits the Philippines for a few weeks, there, there's um, that, that energy that somebody br- uh, brings with them uh, is very edifying to people in that place. And so uh, there, there's a, there's good in, in a different sort of way for each each kind
2: of that work. Okay. All right, great. Let's All take a break, Jacob. We've got a couple important questions to get to when we we'll come take back. take
1: a break, get this week's bullet point. When we come back, how should we support evangelists in foreign countries? We've established that we need them. We need to talk about how we support them. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study
0: continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement.
2: This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. We know that preparing for judgment is the most important thing in this life. Jesus taught that if we were to gain the whole world and lose our own soul, we would be making a terrible trade. Mark 8, verses 36 and 37. Knowing this to be true, we should earnestly seek to convince others, especially those closest to us, of the urgency of obeying the gospel. Everything we do and say should be calculated to produce the salvation of their souls. It's a sad thing to see some Christians who don't seem to understand that they are negatively impacting these people who should be most important to them. When unbelievers, even our own family and close friends, can observe us compromising our spiritual priorities, including forsaking the assemblies, in order to engage, oftentimes with them, in other activities like ball games and parties and so forth, we have given them a firm push in the direction of hell. Paul urged Titus to, quote, show himself a pattern of good works, Titus 2, verse 7, and he told Timothy to be, quote, an example of the believers, 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. It's clear that the apostle understood that the teaching and preaching of these two young evangelists would be either helped or hindered by the kind of personal examples they portrayed. Surely it's the same with us. If we are genuinely concerned about the souls of others, common sense dictates that we should never let them see us compromising our faith or priorities. Christian, are you helping others, especially those closest to you, to go to heaven or to go to hell? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Néstor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And at this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. it.
0: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome
1: back to the program tonight as we talk about foreign evangelism with James Buchanan. As he plans a trip. Actually, he's moving to South Africa next month, and we're talking about foreign evangelism on the program tonight. This program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com, and find out information on how to podcast recent sermons on our website as well. If you have any questions, we'd love for you to contact us at any time. We look forward to hearing from you.
2: Jacob, I ask another question about support. We already talked to James some about his financial support situation, but let me ask you a little more specifically, James. How are you going to be supported? I mean, you got you, you and your wife, four kids. You got you got obviously expenses that got to be met. How are you going to be supported, James? James is independently wealthy. You didn't know
1: that? Oh, I didn't know. <laughs>
2: yeah. No. How are you going to be supported in this
1: work?
3: Well, uh, we are being supported by individual churches and. and uh, and also by uh, individuals and by individual churches is, is, is how we're being supported. And now how
2: will that come to you?
3: Well, uh, we we have asked somebody here in the States to um, take care of anything like that that needs to be deposited. To
2: so basically be just your financial administrator.
3: Yeah, that's right. That we have an individual who yeah. has power of attorney, Yeah. so they'll, they'll have authority to act on our behalf financially. We'll keep our American uh, bank account, at least for now, until we get established we may change to a... Um, South African bank account. At some point, we probably will have to for expenses there. But right now, we'll we'll have our American bank account, and that's where our deposits go. Some uh, congregations have asked us um, if they could do a direct deposit, and uh, some banks uh, will allow that. And so, um, we we certainly are open to that, and that's uh, we've done that as well.
2: Now, you obviously are trying to achieve a certain level of financial support. How did you determine? that you need X number of dollars to be there and to live and so forth?
3: I, 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 I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan, and okay. we're not here to promote Dave Ramsey, but he he uh, um, he believes that he, he, the budget, Yeah. we, we rewrote a budget is what we did. Yeah. And um, what we also did is we asked people who are already there, we asked the Beckleys and others, um, how, how much do things cost? So um, a couple of things to keep in mind. And, and also especially if somebody's more interested in hearing more specifically, more specific numbers, is uh, there's a couple of factors that come into play, and you know this even from your work here in the States. Uh, for example, preachers are considered self-employed for uh, Social Security purposes here in the United States um, if one chooses to contribute to Social Security.
2: Now, will you, will you still be paying U.S. taxes? In other words, when you move over there, even though you're earning money, for work done there, you're getting it from here. You still got to pay all your taxes and Social Security. On it.
3: You have a choice. You, you you have to pay Social Security regardless. But as far as income tax, you have a choice. You could either you could either take the uh, income tax exemption here in the states for the first eighty thousand of what you make. You don't have to pay any income taxes on it. If you do that, you're supposed to pay the South African taxes, uh, or I could pay taxes here in the United States, and then I wouldn't pay taxes to the South African Revenue Service. So, so
1: you'll take the lesser of two uh, values there then.
3: I'll, I'll take the I'll take the lesser of two Caesars.
1: <laughs>
3: okay, <laughs> and, all right. Well, so how, does
1: that, how does that work out? Is that African or uh, United States?
3: Uh, still so, so working on research it now, Although I've heard it's African, I, I've got a CPA who's volunteered to uh, okay. uh, help us with all that. Okay. So. Okay.
2: Well, we don't want to get too personal right. into your finances, uh, but I just I just think people would be interested. Now, I mean, well, m- maybe one of the things, one of the takeaways from that, James, is there's a lot of details to iron out in order to be able to do what you're planning.
3: That's right. It it takes it takes a lot of planning.
1: It's taken James a year to get ready for it.
2: Yeah,
3: Uh, and and honestly, uh, despite the fact that we had to move our date, um, I I I am grateful for the extra time that we've had to prepare. Yeah. So.
2: Okay. All right. Now, again, back to more general things rather than your case specifically, James. Is there is there authority now? We know that a number of denominations are famous for sort of what they call their mission boards. Actually, some of our own brethren do some things relatively similar to that. What would be your understanding? Could we set up a board and have churches and individuals? You said you're going to get support from churches, from individual churches, but also from individual Christians. Could we set up uh, a mission board that would accept these monies and then disperse them to men like you who are going. In other words, can we set up the South African evangelistic society? Um, you know, we could make Jacob the president, and I'd be the treasurer. Hey, there could,
1: be, there could be some good things about that, because you and I could just spend our time researching people like James. So all these congregations, they wouldn't have to do the research. They could send the money to us, and then you and I could just make the decision on where it goes. Well,
3: yeah. I'll, I'll say Let me say one thing. That I'm, I'm, from I'm a,
2: speaking facetiously. Course, I hope now, everyone knows. From a
3: secular perspective, it would certainly be a lot more efficient um, from, a, from a secular perspective. No, in other words, it would
2: have taken some load off of you if you could have just dealt with a board somewhere sure. and, and talked to them about your financial security. you were talking to
3: one organization. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I will say, just as, as a side remark, um, I've, I have thoroughly enjoyed the process of, of raising support I've gotten the opportunity to meet you have enjoyed that oh absolutely I've enjoyed meeting Christians in, in different places and in different congregations uh, for the first time and, and building a relationship with them and so uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that I wouldn't trade that for anything
2: okay but the reason I asked that question is there's clearly no biblical authority for that arrangement I mean in, in the scriptures, every time we saw a preacher receive financial support, it was from the church providing the support to the preacher directly receiving that support. Uh, we don't have time to go into great detail tonight, but we could, we could cite the instances, in particularly the case of the Apostle Paul, because he traveled widely, preached everywhere, and was dependent upon churches to supply him with financial resources to make that possible. And there is a clear pattern that is not violated in any, in any case. The sending church sent directly to Paul. They didn't send to a board of directors somewhere of a missionary society to oversee those funds and distribute them to Paul and others who were doing that. Well, Paul wasn't the only one who was out in the field preaching the gospel in those days. Other preachers had to have support too. But there's no indication that anything ever happened except a church decided to send money to a preacher, and they did it directly.
3: Right, and, and th- that, that's correct. Um, th- there are actually two ways that, that we see Paul uh, raising or supporting uh, his work being supported. One was from churches, sending to him directly. The Philippians did that, uh, Philippians 4 and, and verse uh, 15. They entered into partnership with him in the gospel. Um, and, and so we know that some churches supported him directly. The other example we have is of Paul doing work with his hands to support his own work. And and, and let me just say one thing about that, uh, that just, somebody might have the question, well, what, what will we do if we, are, if we don't have uh, sufficient support when it comes time for us to move, which we do not have 100% support to, to fund our, our budget. Um, but thankfully, I'll still be able to do some work while, while I'm overseas consulting with the company I work for currently. It won't take the Internet's much. a
2: pretty amazing thing. You can do your work overseas online and still be able to get you, – you, you can – Support yourself. What's lacking in church support by doing some of that kind of work.
3: That's right, and that wouldn't be our first choice or our first preference. But I mean, that's certainly what Paul did. Um, it, we see that in in, um, um, in in Athens and such, and so it, we're in Ephesus. Remember that he uh, joined up with Paul and Priscilla yeah. because in Corinth, I mean, Corinth. Yeah, same profession. Right. Yeah. right. Same profession. So
2: yeah. tent maker.
3: Um, yeah, that's and, and we're fairly willing to do that.
2: All right. Now, real quickly a follow-up to that. Where are we on time, Jake? We've got time. Uh, What if... uh, Most brethren understand or at least nominally acknowledge the unscriptural nature of a missionary society. You know, some man-made organization. You set up a board of directors and and this board of directors solicits and collects monies and they become a decision-making organization to then distribute the money to various preachers going in different directions most of most of our brethren understand that that's not biblical there's no example of that i I think they're i think some of our brethren are losing sight of that but that actually was a quite divisive subject a hundred years ago or more uh one of the things that caused a, a rift between what is now today known as the christian churches and the churches of christ was the american christian missionary society uh, it, it was a missionary society set up just as we suggested. And some folks were in favor of it and others opposed it. And, and the churches of Christ typically opposed that as being not biblical. There's no example. There's no authority for which we could do that. Uh, again, I'm sad to say I think some of our brethren are losing sight of that fact. And that, that, that subject is not being taught. Um, but what about the idea of a sponsoring church? Could we set up a sponsoring church... That's, a, that's an approach that some of our brethren have used. Let's put all this money gathering, this money overseeing, this collecting and sending business, let's put it under the auspices of a, a church eldership, some, some church somewhere, uh, and let those elders of that so-called sponsoring church have that authority to, in other words, other churches could send to this sponsoring church. We want to get money to James in South Africa ultimately. So he he's a member right now of the Mooresville Pike Church in, in Columbia, Tennessee. And so let's say that the Mooresville Pike Church uh, agrees to be his sponsoring church. They're going to sponsor him to do this work in South Africa. And so James then th- tells everybody, if you want to support my work, send money to Mooresville Pike. And the elders there will dictate how it's used in my support. That's, what, that, that's a fallback that some of our brethren came to because they understood that the missionary society was unbiblical. So they said, well, elderships are biblical, and, and so we'll just set it up under the auspices of an eldership. Uh, what do you think about that, James?
3: Well, there's a couple of things, and really the big issue there is oversight. So when one church decides to send money to another church to do, to do this work, the problem is that who is overseeing the work? It's uh, it's going to be the elders of the sponsoring church. So what they who do is the
2: work. they assume a work bigger than their own.
3: That's right. They're not they're not purely adhering to to the charge that Paul or Peter made in First Peter five to oversee you know, what flock, the
2: flock among you, flock
3: among them. Yeah. They're overseeing work that's being done by another flock as well, and and that that's it's an that's autonomy
2: a, issue. It's a church, local church autonomy issue. Is the, is. the churches that send. The sponsoring church lose oversight; they give up autonomy, and the the sponsoring church assumes an oversight bigger than their own local work, and that's not biblical either. There's no authority for it. that's a direct violation of the pattern of the scriptures, and is a first step toward a centralization that's so common in the denominations and in the Catholic Church.
3: And if I, I want, I want to, I want to, beer just for a second about that. Um, this this is what we've seen among people of, of that frame of mind toward that's their attitude toward overseas work in many places they'll establish what they, what they used to be called a mission in that country and that mission would be under the oversight of a church here in the states and um, and so that 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 church would not be a locally autonomous church such as what you see in the New Testament yeah. they would be under the oversight and under the authority of a church here
2: in the states and yeah you'd actually have like a a mother church and a and, and a and a little church that the mother church is overseeing.
3: That's right. There's a there's an excellent article I, I was reading recently written by Paul Williams. It's called Centralization in South Africa. It was written in 1975. Mm-hmm. And you can Google that and find it, and it came right up. And uh, it was an excellent article that described very much what you're talking about, but it described it as far as what was going on in South Africa.
1: And uh, you, you make the uh, authority, uh, the, the shepherding their own flock argument. And uh, just to make a very simple argument is that we don't have any example for, for it in the New Testament. All the funds were sent directly uh, to the evangelist. There is and an exclusive gonna, pattern. Right. Yeah. And so that just on that level alone, we would say, well, we don't have any authority for it, even though it may seem good to us, may make sense, and, and it may sound like a good idea. We just don't have authority for it, and we need to stop there.
3: There's only one example in the New Testament of one church sending money to another church, and that was in the matter of benevolence. If you had a church that was totally destitute, where there was uh, something that happened, let's say there was a famine or something uh, along those lines, and if a church decided that they were going to send money to another church to, to help them through the famine situation... And there, 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 we certainly have an example like,
2: of that. Like in Acts 11. Absolutely. At
3: the end of Acts 11. Yep. Uh, and so we've got
2: a pattern. In benevolence, one church can send to another if the receiving church, as you said, is completely destitute. It's not that that receiving church is trying to do a bigger work of sending it on. They're not becoming an organization to do benevolent work greater than their own. They are in, When, a, when a, a specific congregation is so destitute that they can't meet the needs of their own members, then we have a Bible pattern of other congregations sending to them and their elders of the receiving church be put in charge of distributing that money among their own needy saints. So in benevolence, there is an example of churches sending to another church. But in evangelism, there is absolutely not one single reference to a church sending monies for evangelism another church.
3: And on the autonomy issue, one more, just not to beat the dead horse, but I want to bring up one thing, and one of our guests brought it up in the chat, Um, and the point that they were making is about um, somebody presuming to go to a place to work with a church, basically inviting themselves to work with that church versus uh,
1: being invited to come work in an area. Yeah, Uh, Let me read that real quickly. Uh, Anyway, I one time desired to go to the Philippines with Bob Buchanan. A brother spoke to me asking me if the church is there invited me to speak. I said no. The brother continued to make a point. He said, I once was thinking about going to another area after an invitation from another brother going to spread the gospel. He therefore sent a letter to the brethren in that area that he was planning to visit, asking if they wanted him to come. They said no and said thank you for asking. Apparently that area got so many preachers from the States that they only had four weeks out of the year when no preacher was visiting from somewhere else. Interesting to note that this because we oftentimes act very presumptuous, and so it is something we need to be careful about. After all, we would uh, would we desire a brother who lives in the Philippines to come uninvited and expect to preach? I'm pretty sure any church would just deny them. So there you
3: go. That's a. I think it's That's a very a great key. point. I think it's a great it's point. It's an excellent point because in, any church that we will work with in South Africa, we we understand. My family and I understand. We we would be we'll be working with a local autonomous congregation if they if they would like for us to teach, if they would like for us to work with them. Certainly, they're happy to do so. If they they're over they're already doing work. They're already they're already doing something. I mean, we're going to. It, we're going in partnership with work that's already being done. And so there's a – in the past, you'd have sort of a paternalistic attitude of Americans toward uh, certain places that uh, we're Americans, therefore – You know, you let us do what we want. We're going to do what we want. Yeah. Well, we're not, that's not that's what we're going to do. We're going to, if, we're going to work in partnership with people that are already there who are also working, and we'll, we'll do – Whatever they want, uh, whatever they want us to do—that's scriptural.
1: All right, uh, Dave in the chat room practices what he calls guerrilla evangelism. He only goes a short time unless they get to know me and then invite me to leave. So he's in and out. Guerrilla evangelism.
2: Real quick, let's take a, let's take one more break and then I want to get to this question about what's the pros and cons of sending a lot of money to these places. Let's take our last break and we'll go to that. All right, eight
1: seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We go to the top of the hour right after this.
0: These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after
4: this. Hello, everyone. I'm Moni, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study. You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number any time. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon.
2: We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Most Americans believe the nation is in moral decline and that the news and entertainment media are major contributors to the slide. 74%, including majorities of every major demographic group, say they believe moral values in America are weaker than they were 20 years ago. 48% say moral values are much weaker than they were 20 years ago. 68% say the media, entertainment, and news alike are having a detrimental effect on moral values in America. 64% agree the news and entertainment media exercise powerful influence over American moral values. In fact, the substantial majority, 74%, who believe the moral values are weaker than 20 years ago, consider the media to be the second greatest influence on moral values after parents and family. That data is via the National Cultural Values Survey made by the Culture and Media Institute. The Word of God says in Proverbs 14, verse 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is reproach to any people.
0: Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study.
1: Those are some powerful trends that you had on there. We we can't get on that soapbox now, but I would love to. Everybody agrees that it's the media causing our morals to go down the tubes. Why don't we just turn off the media for crying out loud? Everybody admits to it. Let's turn it off. Uh, Uh, Quickly. Yeah, Uh, foreign evangelists.
2: What about supporting foreign evangelists? Jim in in, uh, Kentucky says support should be from congregations and individuals who are happy to have fellowship with them in spreading the gospel. If you mean in receiving their support as to whether it is a check or cash and so forth, it's best for the funds to be automatically deposited in an authorized account in this day and age. Both congregations and individuals can send directly to a man's bank account and receive a receipt showing it was accepted, thus having a paper trail. There's no authority for a mission board. Congregations sent to individuals. Individuals sent to individuals. There never has been a middleman or organization. Uh, uh, He says, remember the old saying, always to but never through. Okay? I had never, never heard that old saying. You know. <laughs> it's too old uh, for you. Yeah. Is There's no authority for a sponsoring church. Paul received his funds from the Macedonians and uh, commanded the Corinthians to send their own funds. Paul was simply a courier in delivering any funds. Okay.
1: All right. And I don't know if we got Chris's answer number one.
2: Well, let's, don't, let's just get uh, him. Okay.
1: Uh, he doesn't have any His answer number one is where
2: Oh, I, I, I did you read did it. Got yeah. that.
4: Okay. All right. Go yeah, ahead.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Number now, three. The, the, the final part of that question was what about some individuals... Deciding to set up a pool to, to pool their funds. Uh, I, I think there's, I, I gotta explain what I mean by the question, obviously. I got some feedback that my question wasn't understood. Yeah. I think that the three of us here could could decide to pool our resources to do evangelistic work. Let's say that the three of us, we want to go out here to this neighborhood, canvas neighborhood, pass out Bible tracts, knock on doors, try to set up home Bible studies. I said, James, give me five bucks. Jacob, give me five bucks. I'll put in five bucks. I'll go down to the print shop and we'll print up some flyers and we'll go go and try to knock on doors in that neighborhood. I think that's completely fine. No problem. I mean, that's that's three individuals working concurrently. Okay. There's a big difference. I think you immediately cross the line when we say, Anthony, you give five bucks. Now, you're not going to be involved in the work. You don't have time right now. You give us five bucks, too, and we'll decide... How this money is going to be used. We get maybe Anthony or two or three others to give us some money, but we become the three of us are the decision makers about this work of going to that neighborhood and campus, that neighborhood. I think you cross a line when you do that. When you put yourself in a position to become an overseer of a collective work of Christians, the only overseen collective of Christians is a local congregation in the New Testament. And the and the elders of a local congregation is the only ones authorized to do that we're not authorized to do that. And so I think that's what I meant by the question. Could, could we say, could, could Jacob and I uh, and Anthony, we say, you know, James is going to South Africa. We really want to see him get enough money to be able to stay there and do his work. We're going to set ourselves up as the James Buchanan Evangelistic Fund. Oh, wow. And so we're going to go out to people we know, and we're going to get them to send us money. And then we're going to decide how, when, and how much we're going to send to James. We have a little extra, we might send it to somebody else. We'll become a decision making board. Yeah. I know a number of supposedly conservative brethren who are establishing arrangements like that to do both evangelism and benevolence, and I think it's unbiblical. Uh, they've, crossed, they've crossed a line, and they don't even recognize that they're going right down the route of the missionary society. Um, that, that's my <laughs> soapbox. For Mike. James? Yeah, we have to be careful. Uh, and, and one thing I would say about that, I've heard just a general
3: comment about anything that becomes an institution is that um, it, it's wise if the institution goes away when the people that organized, organized it, it uh, yeah, you know, just so it doesn't so it doesn't get a life of its own, yeah, it become something well, that you never intended.
1: Well, just on just from a practical standpoint, I would be hesitant for that arrangement just because. I'm going to be supporting something that is ultimately at your discretion. And how am I going to be confident that you're going to make the right decision? That's
2: right. Because if you're giving it into the hands of people who don't have any required qualifications, then how would you know that it would be handled right? In the case of contributing money, to as a member of a local congregation, when I contribute money to the treasury of the local congregation to do the authorized work of the local church, I have the confidence that we have qualified men... Who, who are there based upon God's qualifications, who are the overseers of that work.
1: Well, furthermore, it's just simply unnecessary. If an individual has the means to support someone and has a desire to do so, there are plenty of ways to accomplish that without uh, a middleman organization. What it,
2: what it ultimately boils down to, in my opinion, is people think that they've come up with a better plan to improve upon the pattern that God stated in his word. And I, th- and I think that itself is a presumption.
1: And we do have authority for individuals supporting uh, evangelists, and uh, we ought to act on that authority.
2: Okay, real quickly, we're just all but out of time. James, question three we ask, what are the pros and cons of sending significant amounts of American money into foreign fields to support native preachers, provide buildings for churches, uh, and to deal with benevolent situations? So I'll give you an example. I knew of a preacher that you know. He collected over four hundred thousand dollars for relief in the Philippines after a typhoon had hit there. Went over there and dispersed that money in less than two weeks. Four hundred thousand dollars dispersed among people in the Philippines in less than two weeks.
1: Now, this was done by individuals, I guess. Gave him the four hundred thousand. Not I, I
2: don't. I don't even know. I'm, right now, we're not even. I'm not even worried about where it came from. I'm just worried about the ability of, of sending that kind of money and distributing that willy nilly.
3: Yeah, there, there's there's a da- there are several dangers and, and people have been uh, uh, warning about uh, about this. Brethren have been warning about this for uh, at least 30 years. And, and there's a balance there. There are there are some who believe that uh, uh, preachers in foreign countries should never be supported by American money. And then uh, of course uh, there are some who go over the top and of course it's full support. And uh, I think there's definitely a balance that needs to be there. I think one, some one of the things you have to keep in mind is the um, always the accountability factor it's a, it's a responsibility of any a church especially that is endeavoring to do a work the elders still have that oversight responsibility and, and I, i've been heartened by a trend i've seen especially of some churches where when they decide to support somebody overseas they'll occasionally send some they'll send somebody to go and to, to uh you know, see what see what's going on and i, I think it's a good idea and you know it, it also shows the person over there that uh, these folks really are interested in what i'm doing um, the other thing that you run a risk of is supporting somebody beyond the standard of living exactly. of the people that are already there in that place. That that uh, that creates resentment. And, it, and when we do that,
2: it's very it, our money in those places becomes a very corrupting influence.
3: That, that's right. It, it, it creates the snares of wealth, and and, it, and again, it creates re, and people will resentment.
2: come not genuinely, but will come to get the money. Right, uh, J, uh, 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 Jim and. In, in, uh, Kentucky says, the cons of sending large amounts is that brethren overseas get used to the liberality of American brethren and become hampered in their willingness to sacrifice for their own work. Another problem is that in some places one man, sometimes a local preacher, will distribute the funds, and this can provide a temptation to be looked upon as an important preacher and thus gain them a reputation of privilege or sometimes power over other brethren. Since they receive the funds, they can be tempted to withhold the funds from those who do not agree with their way of doing things. Another problem is that sometimes people in other countries, especially poor places, will be tempted to obey the gospel simply so they can partake of whatever is being sent, food, funds, clothing, etc. People can be tempted to obey simply because it will provide them a better way of life. Dealing with benevolence should be a separate issue in that if benevolence is needed, it should be stated and requested as a need. A man in a foreign field can make a request on behalf of a needy saint, specify the need, the amount, and so forth. As to building church buildings, I'm of the opinion that providing for buildings can do more harm than good. Let the local saints determine where they want to meet and how to plan for it.
3: Yeah, one, one thing about that, too, is uh, bear in mind that we may have the best of intentions of building a building for somebody. Yeah, consider maintenance, you have to keep and all the stuff that goes with that. The other thing is that, and I know we're out of time, the church, church individual autonomous congregations are, are commanded on how to provide for their own uh, efforts going on in that area. That's through the first day of the week collection. They need to learn to get into that habit. Yeah, and we, don't need that to, we don't happen. need
2: to make them continuously dependent upon such gifts.
3: Right. They, need to le- they need to learn to do that just like everybody else. Exactly.
2: James, God bless you and the work that you're planning to do. Godspeed. Uh, we'll be praying for you. Stay in touch.
3: I will.
1: Uh, yeah, We wish you the best, James, and appreciate your sacrifice and the sacrifice of your family. And uh, your email address one more time.
3: James.Buchanan.com. U-C-H-A-N-A-N, the number two, at gmail.com.
1: Hey, maybe I can't help, but uh, you have, you're going to be sending out a report, and you wouldn't mind emailing that to others who would be interested as yeah, well. I'd be
3: happy to, So yeah. just
1: send an email to james.buchanan2 at gmail.com, and you can get on the list.
3: That's right. We, we put that report on two different blogs, and on Facebook, and we'll email it to you. And we might even snail mail if, if we really have to. All right. All right.
2: Great. Uh, we
1: we'll hope well. everything goes well. And we'll Thank be you. looking forward to some uh, word back, and maybe you can join us over that Skype connection. Absolutely. You. All yeah. right. All right, Dad, thanks for the time. Thanks, Jacob. And Anthony's been behind the board. Thank you, Anthony, for a job well done. Thank you, no problem. And we look forward to you being back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.